We are looking at Mark chapter 4, verse 9 to verse 12. Now, NHS figures released this year shows that uh, the number of hospital admissions for young women uh, suffering with anorexia has doubled over the last six years. There are over just uh, there are over about 2,000 cases uh, relating just to young women suffering from this problem. The statisticians tell us that the figure itself is actually an underestimate because, of course, many people that suffer from anorexia don't even go to the hospital. They are not referred there. This is therefore it's just the tip of the iceberg of what the big problem in the country related to this issue is. Why are so many young women uh, finding themselves in this very difficult situation of lacking an appetite for food and endangering their health? Well, according to the health experts, the reason is that has been largely attributed to the rise in social media. This problem is becoming larger because mainly of social media. Apparently, as many young women look at celebrities uh, online and other things on this television program, they desire to be like them. And they look at themselves and they, they, they are filled with low self-esteem. Uh, they wish they had a better body, I guess, than, those, uh, than, than they feel they have at the moment. Freya Chandler, one of the young women, began suffering with anorexia at the age of 13. She said she started feeling disgusted with herself and she just stopped eating. And she eventually lost all appetite for food. So her organs started failing one by one. And, and, and Freya would have died had the doctors not told her a clear truth. Start eating or die. That's what they told her. And by God's grace, Freya, of course, started eating and she was helped in that process. Our prayer story makes us sad because we realize that across the country, thousands of young women are in danger because they never get hungry. They lack the basic human craving for food. It is a fact of life. It is a fact of life. We don't think about it profoundly, but it is actually a fact of life that all living things grow. And a necessity for the living thing to grow is that these living things must hunger to feed. It's a fact of life that eating is good for you. The fact that you feel hungry is good. It enables you to eat and you're able to uh, then grow. And of course what is true for physical life is also true for spiritual life. A truly healthy spiritual person hungers for spiritual food that comes from God. How do we know you are a healthy being? How do we know you are a healthy spiritual person? How can I tell when I'm speaking to a person when they're being interviewed for membership or when they, when they tell me they're a believer or when I just meet them on the road I'm sharing the book? How can I tell this person is truly converted? Well, one of the ways we tell, and it's so basic, I would say it is foundational, it is that they have a hunger for the Word of God. This morning we joined Jesus by the Sea of Galilee. We heard him teach the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4, verse 1 to 8. What did we say? We said the big truth 
in the parable of the sower from verse 1 to verse 20 really is that it teaches us what it means to truly follow Jesus. That's what it's all about. It's about radical discipleship. What does it mean to be a true disciple of Jesus? And this morning we learned one truth out of those three things we are going to be looking at. One of the truths we learned this morning from verse 1 to verse 9 is that true followers of Jesus do what? They hear and produce lasting fruit. That's what we learned this morning. We said, if you have no gospel fruit in your life, you are not listening to Jesus. And if you're not listening to Jesus, that then leads to production of that gospel fruit, which we looked at, then you are not truly converted. This evening, we are going to learn a second truth about following Jesus. And it is this. True followers of Jesus hunger, hunger for the word of God. Now you might think, well, that sounds similar to what we learned this morning. No, it's actually completely different. In the morning, the truth that you are truly converted is that you live to make Jesus known. You live to promote Jesus. You bear fruit for Jesus. This evening, the truth we are learning is that how do we tell if you are truly converted is that you hunger. You have this hunger for the word of God. And that's what I have to look at this evening. All human beings, as you know, as the Bible teaches, teaches us that they are dead in their sins. All of us come into this world dead in our sins. But something amazing happens. A second genesis. Something happens when we surrender to Jesus. He breathes life into a dead corpse. We get new life. The Holy Spirit gives us new life. We now become living beings. And this new spiritual life requires new spiritual food to nourish it. And the only food that does the job is the Word of God. So this evening, I want to ask you, as we go through this sermon, I just want us to ask ourselves, each one of us, a simple question. Do you hunger for the Word of God that a true believer should have? If we looked at your life, you took a video of it, would people from outside conclude that here is a person who is spiritually hungry for the word of God? So look with me at verse 9. So Jesus there in verse 9 has just given a parable from verse 1 to verse 8. And after Jesus gives the parable, we expect Jesus to explain the parable, don't we? And it's a parable, so he needs to explain it a bit further. But Jesus doesn't do that. He just leaves it to the people. Instead, what he says in verse 9 is this. Look at verse 9. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. (laughs) So I've told you, if you want to hear, hear. Okay? Come on, Jesus. Is that all you're going to tell us? Come on, we want some more. No, Jesus just leaves it out there. And what Jesus has probably left it out there, because what he has just said will separate now true followers from false followers. Everyone really now should come to Jesus and ask him, you have taught us a profound truth, Jesus. What? Can you unpack it for us? But no, they don't. The crowd does, don't go to Jesus and say, what do you mean by the parable? Who is a sower? What is a seed? We don't get it. Please, Jesus, explain it to us. No, they don't. They don't ask. It's dead silence. They just let Jesus go wherever he's going. Or they just disappear. But as soon as the crowd disappears, we read this in verse 10. Let's read verse 10. 
And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. Notice here that the twelve disciples plus another bunch of people who are following Jesus are reacting different from the crowd. They want to know more. They've heard the parable. They're like, no, we want to know more. What do you mean by this? And according to Jesus, the reason this group wants to know more about what he has just said is because this group are actually true followers of Jesus. Notice there in verse 11 what he says. And he said to them, To you, the twelve plus another bunch, has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parable. I want you to notice one important thing. Jesus here now splits the world in two groups. Group one are the outsiders. Who are the outsiders? Well, actually, in this case, the roles are reversed to what we've been learning about outsiders and insiders. You know, throughout Mark, the outsiders are, 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 are the paralytic, are the people on the fringes of society who Jesus then reaches out to. In this case, the roles are reversed. The outsiders now are the crowd. Because we're talking about the the kingdom of God now. So the outsiders now are the crowd to those on the outside. This is everybody who's hearing the message with only passing interest. We might say these are the first three soils in the parable of the soul. So we have the crowd, we have the enemies of Jesus, and other people who, which they hear, but it doesn't stick. Or they hear, they follow him for a while, then they fall away. They are not true disciples. That's group one. Jesus also t- tells us about the insiders. These are the people around Jesus. To you who are the inside now have been given the secret of the kingdom of God, he says. The twelve and others around Jesus want more. If you like, when they hear the sermon, they are like, we can stop here. You've got to tell us more. You, you, this is great. We want to know more. We want to read more of your words. And this is the point Jesus wants us to understand this evening. True followers of Jesus do not simply follow Jesus outwardly. They hunger to hear more of God's word. And because they hunger for the word, Jesus satisfies their hunger. They get more than parables. They share in the knowledge, the secret of the kingdom. Look at verse 11 again. To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. Because you are hungering for it and therefore it's being revealed to you. But for those on the outside, they just stop at parables. They are not interested to know more because frankly they don't want to know more. What does Jesus mean by the word here, secret? Well, the word for secret here means the same word we use for mystery. Now remember, the message of the kingdom of God is what? What is the message of the kingdom of God? Is that Jesus is God coming to reign. We know that from Mark chapter 1, verse 14 to 15. If you flip back your Bibles, you see that passage you need to be reminded constantly. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, the gospel of God, and saying the Kairos moment, the time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news, the gospel. So, in other words, the mystery of the kingdom is that Jesus is God among us. And we know this already, that this is somehow 
a mystery. It's somehow a secret. How do we know it's a bit of a secret that Jesus is? Yes, Jesus is preaching the kingdom, but how do we know it's a bit of a mystery that God has come? Well, we know that because the demons can shut up. <laughs> the demons can shut up. They just keep, they just keep blatting it out. We, we, we read this in Mark chapter 3, verse 11 to 12. The, 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 the demons are in on the secret. They understand the secret. Mark chapter 3, verse 11 to 12 says this. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. They've let out the secret. So Jesus says this. And he secretly, he strictly ordered them not to make him known. So what Jesus is saying in Mark chapter 4, verse 11, is that his coming as our Savior, King, is a mystery which only his true followers will believe or understand. We'll come to this point that even though Jesus, you see, is preaching to everyone, there is a sense in which it's still hidden from those whose minds are closed, those who are not willing to believe. You see, those who fully trust in Jesus, you see, grow in the knowledge of Jesus. And the proof that we trust in Jesus is that we hunger to know more of the Word of God. We hunger to hear and obey the Word of God because we love Jesus. And the Bible testifies about His amazing good news as God coming to reign. So why wouldn't we want to read our Bibles more? Why wouldn't we want to sit under more of his preaching? Why wouldn't you want to take every opportunity to read about him? Well, of course we would. Of course we would. Because Jesus is the one we love. And therefore that hunger for him resides within us. Friends, show me a person with no interest in learning more about Jesus through the preaching and reading of the Bible about Jesus. And I'll show you an unbeliever. Show me anyone with a passing interest in things of God, and I'll show you an unbeliever. Not just anything. Show me anyone who's not interested in sitting under God's word, and I'll show you an unbeliever. You may be a church member, or you may even be baptized, or even a super regular at the Lord's Supper. You may even be well-read in theology. We may be like that, but if we have no love for the word of God, if we hardly read it, if we are not taking every opportunity to sit under the preaching of the word or study it with others, then there's something seriously wrong with us. Because we are either a spiritual anorexic, someone who's a true believer, yet they're starving themselves of the word of God for whatever reason. And that they need urgent help. Or you are not converted at all. Jesus is saying. Because we see throughout the Bible, we see that all who walked with God hungered for the living word. We see it throughout the Psalms. Psalm 119, verse 97 says this. The psalmist says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. We see this hunger for the word of God in the life of our Lord Jesus. Jesus survives the wilderness. How does he do it? How does Jesus survive? Being pressed by Satan, he survives on the living word. Jesus here later is going to quote the scriptures. Why? Because Jesus believed the scripture. In Jesus, there's always reading. From a young age, he's reading the word of God. The word of God is at the heart of his spiritual life. 
You see, the love and hunger for the word of God is a mark of the life of Paul. It is a mark of the life of Peter. It is a mark of the life of the other apostles. Their letters are saturated with the word of God. The hunger for the word of God is a mark of all the true saints in church history. Oh, friends, the word of God is a sword which John Chrysostom carried to his pulpit. It is the mirror which Luther looked into and saw that it can only enter heaven by faith alone. It is the seed of faith that fed Shannon, Seeds, and other Puritans. It is the milk which nourished Whitfield and Wesley into spiritual giants of their time. It is the fire that burned in the bones of Robert Mary McShane in Dundee. It is the hammer that shattered the hard rocks of unbelief in the hearts of those who heard Dr. Martin Lord Jones preach at Westminster Chapel. And it is a lamp that is burning brightly among many brothers and sisters in the persecuted world. All true followers of Jesus hunger for the words. True followers of Jesus are like that African village saint I hinted about who used to always carry a Bible, we are taught. Every village she went in, she was carrying a Bible. And one of our neighbors asked her, why do you always carry the Bible? There are so many books you could read. The woman knelt down, she held the Bible high above her head, and she says, of course there are many books which I could read. But there's only one book which reads me. There's only one book which reads me. That woman hungered for the word of God. She had discovered that no one knows her more than God. And she had discovered that in the pages of scripture is the portrait of the Jesus she loved. She hungered for it. And she wanted to know more and more of Jesus. So she read his word. Oh friends, what about you here this evening? As someone who professes faith in Jesus, who do you say you have a growing hunger to know more of Jesus and his word? Let's take your Bible reading. Are you growing in reading or listening to the Bible? Are you a person who only reads it once a week or in church? Or are you always looking for opportunities to read it more? When you come to the fellowship and hear the Bible preached, are you listening so that you know more of Jesus, or do you listen as a critic? When you hear the Bible preached in the morning, are you more inclined to say, I must hear it again in the evening? Praise God, you can say, yes, no, I'm not. I have come to hear again this evening. And that's how true believers are. I'm not saying simply by the fact that you are here, you are a true believer, you are here because you are trying to trust. But you should be comforted by that actually. Because you see, an, an unbeliever hears the word of God in the morning and says, Have you had enough? Have you had enough for the day? A true believer says, No, we must speak more about these things. I must hear some more. When you miss the evening preaching, does it make you feel sad or do you simply say, It doesn't matter? I'll get the recording when it shows up. When you arrange your Saturday evenings, do you arrange them so that you wake up on Sunday in top condition to listen to the preaching of the Word of God? I think that's a serious question I've been asking myself. Of course, I get to preach, so I have to be <laughs> at least try to be. But I think as hearers, we are asking ourselves, are we thinking about Jesus 
being preached to us Sunday morning when we are having our Saturday evenings? Do you make every effort to arrange your life in such a way that you take opportunities to sit under the teaching of God's word when it's being discussed together on Thursdays or as we have it now, Friday morning? When you come to church on Sunday and you'll be tired do you, and you, you can't concentrate to the preaching of the word of God, you feel sleepy, do you ever repent of sleeping? I can't remember ever sleeping during a sermon, but I would have thought, I told someone, if I ever did, I would repent, of course, before God. Because God is my father and he's speaking. How dare I sleep, I would, I would ask. So, of course, we must ask ourselves this. Do we ever repent before God when we fall asleep to his preaching? Or study of his word that has been prepared for for the greatness of his glory? I think these are difficult questions. I think these are painful questions. But we need to ask them, isn't it? How seriously do we take the word of God? How seriously do we take that God the Father He's speaking to us in his word. Thomas Fuller said, he does not believe, he who does not, he does not believe, he who does not live according to his beliefs. In other words, idle faith is as useless as our words. And so when it comes to things of faith, it isn't so much what we say, it's so much of how we live, how we act, and therefore we must constantly ask ourselves, are we acting as people of God? Are we acting as people of God? Not, not thinking that our actions somehow saves us, they don't. But we have a faith Planted by the Spirit of God, does it produce that hunger? So we must ask ourselves, is there this growing evidence that you hunger for Jesus and his word or not? And if the answer is yes, we should be encouraged. The hunger always grows when you come to faith. It's always growing. We, 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 we are not John Knox. We, we are not Luther. But we are only, if we're trusting in Jesus, we are on a trajectory of ever-increasing Hunger for the world. And one of the tragedies I've seen, especially as many of the saints that have known Jesus from a young age, they, 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 they grow, is obviously over time that diminishes. And that's a tragedy, of course, because actually, in many great saints, it grows. Jesus grew. We stature, we favor with both God and man. And our hunger for God must keep growing. Our hunger to read His Word must continue to grow. As our physical health, who allows. You must be confident that you are a true follower of Jesus if you have this hunger to hear more of his word. And you must be thankful to God that if you have this because you have it by grace alone. Let's look at verse 11 to 12. This hunger for the word is by grace alone. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be 
forgiven. Two things I just want to flag up there. The first thing to notice is the key word in verse 11. Given. Or in the original, entrusted. Our hunger for the word of God, if you are truly converted, is a gift from God that we do not earn. God the Father, by his divine providence, has enabled you to receive his beloved son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has been crushed on the cross for your sins and mine. And that has meant you are now a new spiritual creature who hungers for the word. To you has been given. To you has been given to know Jesus. It is by grace alone. We cannot know Jesus without God intervening to help us feel the sinfulness of our sin and to turn to our wounded Savior and to cling to Him for salvation. That comes only by divine fiat. It happens only by God's direct intervention. It's by grace and grace alone. The second thing we should notice here is that Jesus quotes Isaiah 6 in verse 12. Why? To explain why people who do not hunger for the word of God behave the way they do. Look at verse 12 again. Oh, start from 11. But for those outside, everything is in parable. Why? So that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. The two words, so that, at the beginning of verse 12, can be read as, as because. But for those outside, everything is in parable, because they may indeed see, but not perceive. In other words, the lack of hunger for the word of God is because the preached word hardens their hearts. Jesus is saying the preaching of the word of God will either melt our hearts to hunger more for the word of God, you are, you, when you hear the preaching, you're going to say, I want to know more about Jesus, or it's going to harden you, harden you, and just make you less and less interested. The Word of God does this all the time. It has that dual effect. It is said of Antony of Egypt, who lived around AD 300. One day, Antony of Egypt walked into a church, and he heard the Bible being read, just like we read it here. He heard the words of Jesus say to the rich man, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. That's from Matthew. He heard those words. And Athanasian, St. Athanasian, one of the church fathers who wrote the biography of Anthony, says, At that moment, at that moment, when Anthony heard that, it was as if the passage that was being read was about Anthony. And immediately Anthony went out from the Lord's house and gave to the townspeople the possessions he had. The hammer of God's word broke Anthony's heart. And he went immediately to act on it. I'm not saying the Bible always has this effect on all of us. But it is a principle, isn't it, that we see throughout scriptures. When we hear the word of God and we have a hunger for it, we put it into practice. 
Does the word of God produce in you this sort of hunger which compels you, which compels your heart to put into practice that which you are hearing? The Anton effect, we might call it. Because if it does not do that, and I'm not saying it's going to do that every single moment, because God is working on us gradually in different areas of our life. But if we're not seeing ourselves being changed as a result of reading the word of God, then the other thing is happening, hardening. It is a tremendous privilege to have two sermons preached in a church, but it is also a tremendous warning of judgment on us. Because this church has two opportunities to hear the preaching of the scriptures expanded. Other believers don't. And as it's being expanded twice, there's opportunity to grow more, I would imagine. But there's also God's judgment of the word itself. It's just the way it is. So more people are being hardened, perhaps in this church at the same rate as they are being melted. Twice the rate, perhaps, of another church. I'm just working that out broad figures. I'm not saying I've looked into the uh, secret votes of heaven. But you've got to keep this in mind. The worst is that the privilege of having the Bible there handed out. There are saints who have not. Where that guy went, John Achu, the missionary, uh, the St. Elise, yeah, the tribe. They don't have a Bible in there. It, because they haven't yet been converted, they are unreached. But my point is that with the opportunity we have for the Bible comes more hearing of the Bible and yes, more hardening if we're not being melted. And if we're being hardened, if that solution of hardening persists, then something terrible happens, which is described in verse 12. Let's read verse 12 again. So that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. This verse is saying, those without Jesus remain without understanding. They can hear the name Jesus, but it means nothing to them. They can see all that God is doing, but they are not able to arrive at the truth because the word of God that's being preached is actually hardening them rather than melting their hearts. And those who lack understanding of Jesus or his word cannot have faith in God. That leads to repentance or turning from their sin. Friends, can I emphasize this point? What is faith? Faith is trusting in God based on his word. And of course, if they are not willing to hear the word of God, they cannot have faith. Because faith comes by hearing the word of God. And that's why if we're going to have a sound faith, we must sit under the word. Because without hearing the word of God, we just have faith in faith. And that is no faith at all. It is a faith that sends to hell. True faith is grounded in the word of God. And because these people are not repenting, because they haven't got the word, they're not willing to respond to the word, they have no faith in God, and therefore they're not turning from sin. And because they're not turning from sin... Well, they're being cut off from the greatest gift ever, which is the forgiveness they can have in Jesus Christ. Because, you see, without forgiveness of sin, a person remains lost and cut off from God forever. You remain under severe judgment of God. And how does a person 
headed for eternal destruction look like? How does a non-believer look like? Jesus is saying the non-believer looks like a person without hunger for the word of God. We are back to full circle. And if we had more time, we could expound on this amazing truth Jesus is saying. Because if you lack hunger for the word of God, it is both the cause and the fruit for your unbelief. The lack of hunger for the word of God means you cannot take in the word of God. And if you cannot take in, you continue in that. You see, this is part of the cause, but at the end it's also the fruit. It's just like a vicious effect. The point then here is simple. Salvation is exclusive only to true followers of Jesus. And we know who the true followers of Jesus are because they hunger for the word of God. And so as we go towards the end, all of us must ask the question we started off this evening. Do you have hunger for the word of God that a true follower of Jesus should have? We must consider this question carefully. We must always continue to ask ourselves this question. Even if the answer is yes, we are growing in our hunger. We must be aware of this issue. That we must go on to ask God to enable us to hunger for more. And if the answer is no, if you're looking at your life and you say, to be honest, I just don't have that hunger. Then perhaps, if you once hungered for the word because you responded to Christ when the word was preached, then you must ask yourself, is my heart hardening? Is my heart hardening? And if that's the case, then verse 9 is key here, isn't it? And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus is saying to you, hear my word. Come before me afresh. Take my word seriously by surrendering your heart to me. Do not delay. Yes, you have made your professional faith in the past, but, uh, but if your heart is getting colder, Jesus is saying, listen to me now. So I would encourage you to go to Jesus, weep before him, plead his mercy, to give you a fresh desire to live for him. Do not leave any stone and time. Come now. Beloved, I'm quite conscious as we go through Mark, it's going to get a little more difficult in certain places. Because we are seeing the Savior speak to us about truths that many of us have just not processed before. I certainly am learning to process new truths. Because Jesus is laying down the mark of true discipleship. And he's saying it looks like this. And that is hard. And that is hard. But we would make a great mistake if we put our Savior aside and invent our own version of Christianity. There is no other true faith than what is written in the pages of this scripture. And the scriptures are telling us in black and white here, true followers of Jesus hunger for the word of God. Let us not deny if we are struggling in this area. Rather, let us go to our wounded Savior who has been crushed for us, whose grace flows for us. And plead his grace to help us grow more and more to hunger for his word. Because if we do not do that, then we're allowing the word of God to add in our hearts. And if that continues, it is spiritual anorexia. And if that continues, well, like they said to Freya Chandler, eat or die. 
And spiritually, the Lord gives us the same mark. Eat or die. And of course, the true child of God eats the word. Well, may the Lord give us a deep hunger for his word. Amen.